Welcome to Healthy Churches ABNWT, a resource created by and for PAOC Alberta and Northwest Territories pastors and ministry leaders. The focus is on leadership development and congregational health. The goal is to help you reach more people. Visit abnwt.com for more information. Well, hey there, and thank you for joining us on the ABNWT Healthy Churches Podcast. I'm your host, Jeremiah Rabel, and we spend time every month talking about issues relating to church health. We want to bring you in on discussions that we have about what it looks like for us to reach more people. We have 4.1 million souls in our region, and we believe that we can reach them with a gospel message. With me today is Bob Jones. Bob is no stranger to our district and serves as part of our district lead team, as well as a lead pastor at North Point Community Church, where he has served for 29 years. Bob, you have tons of leadership experience, and you've served so well, so welcome. Thank you, Jeremiah. Well, tell us briefly about your story. So in a galaxy far away, <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I started as a pastor in uh, 1980 in a little town called Essex, Ontario, okay. uh, and then uh, went to Montreal, and in both places I served as an assistant pastor. So that was a total of 10 years. Okay. And then in 1990, Bruce Fisher asked if I would come to Edmonton, uh, to Central Tabernacle with him. He was just starting off and asked if I would come in and be the Christian education pastor and missions pastor. So I said yes, and that started our journey here in Alberta. We loved it. We've loved being here. Um, when we came into Central, uh, we discovered that it had been eviscerated by a horrible split uh, about two years earlier. Uh, and although there wasn't a banner on the wall, I think everybody lived by the fact that our best days were behind us. Oh, wow. So if we could just recreate the past, then we could have hope for the future. Um, we tried that for four years, and then in 1994, Pastor Bruce went on uh, disability and in May of 94, I was asked to become the 21st senior pastor of uh, Central. Okay. So my thought was to double down on trying to recreate the past and did that for six years. We worked on developing a missions program, dynamic evening services, the singing Christmas tree, yeah. uh, choir at Easter. Uh, we made some headway, uh, but we were losing a lot of young families to the suburbs because there were 10 new church buildings that had gone up. And ours was a commuter congregation right. uh, near the inner city uh, that was not really interested in reaching out to the inner city. So in 2000, um, we looked at the idea of relocating. And we had an overwhelming uh, strong vote to relocate to go to the least churched area on the frontier of Edmonton. Wow. And that's when the fun started. We couldn't find land. Couldn't raise money. Uh, there was a vote to overturn relocation, which failed, but then people relocated on their own. Uh, <laughs> attendance declined. There was a petition to remove me as the lead pastor. Our board was sued. Uh, someone stole our eldest son's identity and began a letter writing campaign. Um, and that fund went on for three years. Uh, oh, but uh, the thing that came out of it was it really galvanized our leadership. Yeah. Uh, we um, had a resolve to continue on with pursuing relocation. Our board stayed unified. We had each other's backs. And then we found land, developed a facility design, sold our downtown property, opened the facility, right. and then invited people to come as they are. Wow. And that started our journey. Wow, that's amazing. So what's been happening since, since then? Well, God's really blessed. Over the last 13 years, uh, we've seen 3,100 new people become part of the North Point Church family. Uh, we've more than tripled in Sunday attendance. Uh, we've gone to three services and two auditoriums. Uh, we just added on an 11,000-square-foot expansion. 
Um, and, and in all that time, we've consistently financially supported the district, Vanguard College. Yeah. We gave away a million dollars to the Village of Hope, and we've uh, raised an additional $2 million for World Missions. And uh, I think the greatest thing is in the last year, we saw 350 people make decisions to follow Jesus between March 2018 and March 2019. Wow. Wow. And you celebrated your 100th year, right, as a church? Yeah, we're 101 years old now. Oh, man. So... Talk to us about the last two years. Like you talked about, you know, you saw people coming to Christ last year, but just share with us what's been going on in the last two years as a leader and some of the shifts that you've been making. Well, we've had a good run at North Point of yeah. ever-increasing uh, congregation and attendance. and But around spring of 2016, I just had this gut feel that we were losing momentum. Um, all the signs were still there that things were good. Uh, new people were coming and people were still accepting Christ. Um, but by the end of 2017, we actually had our first time where we had a negative growth. We were down by 1%. And that's about the same time that the district started to talk about revitalization and uh, going through a process. And so I put my hand up and said, hey, when you guys are ready to do this, we'd love to be first. And so that was March 2018. Uh, and we started our vitalization process then. And, you know, I think the interesting thing, Jeremiah, is that uh, at the same time, the Monday that we were to start, uh, my wife Jocelyn was diagnosed with cancer. And uh, that was devastating. She would require major surgery. And we sat down and talked about the fact that we felt that we shouldn't really tell anybody else, our family for sure, Uh, but we didn't want it to be a distraction because this was really important to both of us in going through this. We thought it was really God's timing and and somehow we'd make it through. And so, Jeremiah, you may recall that the only people we told were you and uh, John Elveston and Paul Borden and appreciated that moment uh, being able to bring you guys into that and have you pray for us. Yeah. Um, and then we started on vitalization. Uh, it was, uh, I thought it was a great experience. We found the experiences with the coaches um, to be thorough, candid, um, affirming, and, you know, gentle. I think that was big, the fact that it was um, hard work, but uh, we felt um, respected and, and well-treated. You guys had thoughtful questions. They were eye-opening. But you also helped to see that we were leaving a larger wake of influence that, than even we were aware of. Yeah. So that was very encouraging. Yeah. Um, you know, answering coach uh, questions from the coaches led me to the conclusion that I have been taking the path of least resistance, especially when it comes to adult conversions. Right. Um, so I did, I'm, I'm good at math. I have a degree in math <laughs> and I'd always done the math as a pastor that yeah. uh, 80% of people who accept Christ decide before the age of 18. So I felt very uh, comfortable in the fact that as long as children and teenagers were becoming Christians, um, that was great. We were doing our job. And if we saw a few adults, that was okay because that was all that was expected. Um, But 75% of our uh, congregation at North Point are adults, and and they should be reaching their peers. Right. right? And so I kind of turned a blind eye to that. And I had um, just allowed ourselves to go forward, being quite content. And the coaching actually opened my eyes to the fact that I was fooling myself. Um, and uh, that, I think that changed everything. Uh, wow. that's, that uh, being honest uh, with yourself is, uh, is uh, very helpful. Yeah. And so we began to refocus all of our programs and initiatives around the unchurched. Uh, our children and youth, but also all our adult programs. Right, right. Um, and that was, that was a, a simple shift, but it paid huge dividends. Yeah. So last Sunday, March 17, 2019, uh, we had the highest attendance ever at North Point, 
And like I mentioned earlier, we've had 350 decisions over the last year. Uh, and of those 350, 100, over 100, were adults. Um, and that's six times the number that we had in our best previous year. Wow. So I can't tell you any specific things, sure. but it was just the major thing. We turned our focus towards the unchurched and uh, and push forward that way. Revitalization, I, I know people are interested in this, and I would simply say, you know, not uh, pulling any punches, but revitalization is hard work. Yeah. Uh, but so is being a professional football player. I'm a fan of Tom Brady, uh, Mike Riley. Um, and their commitment to personal revitalization and work ethic uh, has kept them at the top of their game year after year. Right. Um, you know, it's hard work to rise to the top but, and then stay there, um, but hard work never killed anyone. And revitalization is worth the hard work. Absolutely. So what leadership challenges have you faced in your years of ministry? What things have you learned? <laughs> well, like I said, in a galaxy far away, <laughs> I was thinking about the fact that when we first started off, we had Gestetner machines. I'm not even sure anybody knows what they are, uh, but they uh, duplicated our handouts, and we had overhead projectors to facilitate our worship. And we had no computers or internet or cell phones to communicate. Um, and But we still, I think, had the same kind of issues. We had staff issues, um, discipleship challenges, vision casting, uh, stewardship development, Staff issues, uh, crisis, community connection, governance. Did I say staff issues? <laughs> sure, sure. So they're always an ongoing part yeah. of a larger church, right? Uh, and anyone facing staff issues, the book Radical Candor by Kim Scott is an excellent read to help with uh, staffing. Yes. Um, I think the world's gotten um, far more complex since I started 39 years ago. But I do think the Holy Spirit's leading us back to simplicity. As simple as, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Just the fact, people will need to know that Jesus loves them. Uh, I think that's about as simple as you can get. It's huge. Jeremiah, I do think, you know, and I'm not completely observant of all cultures and cities and communities, but I think broadly across Canada that we're facing an unprecedented crisis. I think um, we've kind of settled for the idea that um, our satisfactory future would simply be a return to an idealized past. Um, oh, just the whole idea of things that worked in the past, and if we could go back there and do them better, I'm guilty of that. Uh, that's what we tried to do at Central. And when we relocated to North Point, um, we actually built our facility to house the singing Christmas tree, which we had been known for, and we were really good at that, and that yeah. helped people hear about Jesus. Uh, but one month into North Point, we sat down and said, um, do we really want to do the tree? Uh, it it takes a lot of work and focus. And so we decided uh, one month in that we weren't going to do the tree. And all that we'd prepared for with the facility decided to lay that aside. Wow. I think it was a great decision. And it's wonderful to see the tree going forward at the Jubilee Auditorium. Yeah, but for yeah. North Point, it freed us up to do many other things. What stands out to me is we were still trying to recreate the past because you yeah. kind of go back to what you know. And I think the eye sees only what the mind is prepared to comprehend. And, and we really need to have a mindset change. I need to have a mindset change. And I think that's one of the greatest gifts that pastors can give to themselves is to perhaps read broadly, to read out of their own discipline, to read people they'd never thought of reading, right. uh, to listen to people who aren't like them, um, to, to engage with people who aren't like them, to broaden the perspective of what we see at, uh, in our culture. Because if we don't do that, we're just going to keep seeing what we've always seen. We're going to keep doing what we've always done, and we won't change. You get into an echo chamber. Yes. Yeah. For me, uh, one of the other challenges was keeping evangelism on the front burner. 
uh, that's a hard thing. So I've been in three different churches, only three, one in Essex, one in uh, Montreal, and now in Edmonton. And we tried different things, bus ministry in Essex, even a summer drive-in church where okay, people would cool. pull into their into the parking lot in their cars. In Montreal, we tried a radio program and backyard Bible clubs. Uh, and we had a campaign called Each One, Reach One. Uh, we even had Heaven's Gates and Hell's Flames come in. And then at Central, we had Sun City, which reached out to inner city kids. We started Alpha at Central, and then the Singing Christmas Tree. That helped us reach our community. Yeah. And then at North Point, uh, we've developed community carnivals, day camps, uh, support groups like Divorce Care, Grief Share, Single, and Parenting. All of those have helped keep evangelism on the front burner. Yes. But it's been very intentional. It doesn't just happen. Um, and that has to be strategized and then financed and prayed over and, and promoted. Yeah, You know, I think the other challenge that I've seen, and I'm not sure everyone experiences this, but um, discipleship by saturation, that's what has changed. So when I first got into ministry 39 years ago, it was typical for people to go to Sunday school and then church in the morning and then a pre-service prayer meeting and then church at night and then a post-service prayer meeting and a midweek Bible study. So now today, the average attender may come three out of eight Sundays for a 60-minute service. Right. So before, um, you had so many opportunities to connect with people and help them learn how to follow Jesus. Uh, we call that Christian education. It happened through sermons in Sunday school. Now you're down to maybe a 28-minute sermon uh, in community. And so... Um, People just don't have as many opportunities to be encouraged, challenged, supported in their discipleship. And I, I think it's far harder. The other thing I found in challenging was uh, when you stay in the same place, uh, you can't stay the same. So um, while I've been at Central North Point, I've had to reinvent myself. So I was thinking back, and I, I think I've probably gone through six different versions of me. Yep. And, and they've all kind of suited the moment that we found ourselves in. And uh, I think what's really great is that typically pastors used to last maybe five to seven years, and they would go to a new church. But I think this is a new day, and pastors don't have to leave the church they're in to uh, change themselves and even to find a new horizon. Uh, I think if you stay in place with an open heart and a courageous spirit, that God will lead you through new beginnings. Wow. And I, I want to put into the, the whole idea of uh, you need to have fun what you're doing, like enjoy being a pastor. I love being a pastor. Uh, it was a privilege, a pleasure, um, and uh, I, I, I tried to always remind myself not to take myself seriously. I'm a serious guy. I'm really serious about stuff, but I tried to remind myself not to take myself seriously, to be able to laugh at myself, um, and then simply just have a real relationship with Jesus, to love Jesus and then love people as Jesus loved people. So what is the one thing that has kept you focused on the main thing all these years? Um, so our main thing is souls, people. Yeah. Um, our priority is people, and our focus is on unchurched people, people who are far from God. And, and I think, if anything, the one thing that's kept me focused is eternity. Um, you might call it a holy reverence. Yeah. Um, just the fact that I feel like I've had so much opportunity, and I'm going to be accountable for that opportunity. I've been in three great churches with wonderful staff and incredible resources, and, uh, and God has uh, placed me in those positions, and I don't want to mess up. I, I want to use my opportunity. I don't want to take it for granted. I never felt entitled uh, to the roles that I had. Um, I actually treated every Sunday like, um, like I was applying for my job all over again, um, that I was fighting for my job. Um, 
And so I really made it my job to ensure that North Point existed as a thriving come-as-you-are community uh, that really, truly could include skeptics and the uncertain and the used-to-believe and the sold-out, the all-in, the fully devoted, uh, and have them come together around the conviction that Jesus is the Savior, the Son of God. Wow. That yeah. was very intentional. We did that um, in a lot of different ways. One was through red balloons. Uh, every time a child, a teen, or an adult uh, said yes to Jesus and became a follower, we had a red balloon on the platform. And this past year, we've had a lot of red balloons. In fact, the last Sunday I was there on the 17th, uh, we had uh, um, balloons representing 43 people who, over the preceding three Sundays, had made decisions to follow Jesus. Wow, that's so, yeah, amazing. It is. Uh, and great to celebrate. Everybody loves a balloon. It's about a party, and, and people should be celebrated and conversion celebrated. Oh, absolutely. That's cool. The other thing, too, that I didn't get long enough to celebrate, but I think it's so important, and that's to celebrate people who simply talk to others about Jesus without having them come to a decision. Because that happens so often to me, where I engage in, in what I think are redemptive conversations, but it doesn't lead to a decision. The person hasn't decided to become a follower. Um, and those need to be celebrated, because yeah. I think there's far more of those than the ones where people actually make a decision. And people need to be encouraged, and so pastors do themselves a great favor when they not only celebrate decisions, but they celebrate those conversations that could one day lead to a decision, uh, because seeds have been planted. Absolutely. So what advice would you give to pastors about leading change? Uh, In terms of, well, in terms of leading change, I think really the first thing I'd say is just get used to uncertainty. Mm. That when you're leading change, you've got to be comfortable with uncertainty. Uh, You may know the direction you think you're going, uh, but your direction doesn't usually end up like as a straight line. It's up and down, zigzag as you get there. Right. Um, And I think the reason that's so important is because if you wait until you and everyone around you is 100% certain that the change you're about to make is God's will, then you'll never make a change. You just won't. Um, You know, in relocation, what helped us was the phrase, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and us. So if people ask us, well, did God write on the wall or tell you in words that this is what you should do? It was no, but it seemed good to the Holy Spirit in us. And this was the beauty of a unified leadership, our board right. uh, and staff, and, and going forward with that, that's really what sustained us. Um, I think the second thing is that all change creates opposition. If you don't have opposition, once you make a change, you will. Um, and the volume of the opposition is usually directly proportional to the size of the change. And the character of the opposition. Mm. So I've always encouraged our own staff to consider the source. If people are critical of what's going on, just consider the source before you react yeah, to that wise. source. I think, I think the idea of creating a sense of urgency um, in making a change is important. But at the same time, you have to lead at your own pace. So when we went through relocation, people, some people said, you went too fast. Other people said, you went too slow. Uh, it's kind of like Goldilocks in the yeah. hot or cold, right? But <laughs> you, when you lead at your pace, then you're responsible for that change and that pace. And at least you're leading at the pace that you determined. Right. So whether other people think you're too slow or too fast, you go at your pace, you stick with it, and you'll get to where God wants to take you. You know, relocation has been our subject, and that's what I keep going back to. But I think the other thing in terms of change is that as a pastor, um, one of the biggest things that you can do as a leader is um, be an advocate of change for those who are fighting against a stigma or shame associated with their life. 
So, so one of the things I've tried to do is help people facing depression or anxiety or mood disorders. There's a huge stigma associated with that, and there's shame as well. And so helping to change the conversation in churches, helping to change the culture so that people who are stigmatized and feel shameful about what they're in can actually feel free. They feel accepted, heard, understood, supported, loved. That, that's the change that I think that needs to happen far more in our Canadian church culture. And then the idea of staying true to yourself, always being open to learn, work hard, never give up on your dreams, even when nobody else believes in them. Um, but they will come true. And as you follow them after them. Wow. And, and I think, Jeremiah, if you'd let me, I would I'd just kind of close off with one verse that really has helped me immensely. Um, when I became lead pastor, I did a series out of the book of Joshua. I went verse by verse back in 1994. And the message version of Joshua chapter 1, uh, verse 1, and a few verses just after, it says this. I'll be with you. I won't give up on you. I won't leave you. So be strong, be courageous. You're going to lead this people to inherit the land that I promised. And don't for a minute let this book of Revelation be out of mind. Ponder and meditate on it day and night, making sure you practice everything written in it, and then you'll get where you're going, and you'll succeed. Haven't I commanded you? Strength, courage, don't be afraid, and don't get discouraged. God, your God, is with you every step you take. Thank you so much, Bob, for your time. And thank you for joining us. As always, share this with your team and any other ministry leader that you think would benefit from this conversation. We want to see our churches reach more people. Until next time.